Your last day of vacation and you found time for a deep tissue massage followed by a long mud bath then a two-hour nap. Because you're an American Express Platinum Guard member and booked your stay at a fine hotel and resort through Amex Travel, which means a 4 p.m. checkout. And those relaxing vacation vibes can keep going at the airport in the Centurion Lounge. Just a splash. Before you board the plane back to reality. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your travel experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Whether it's routine maintenance and emergency repair or a dream project, Angie lets you browse homeowner reviews, compare quotes from multiple local pros, and even book a service instantly. So the next time you have a home project, just Angie that and start getting the most out of your home. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to the ID10T podcast number 1087. Let's talk about... You, the ID10T podcast community, in the ID10T podcast corkboard. Um, events at ID10T.com. That's how you submit your thing. Uh, like Waldemar, who says, my brother and I made uh, and premiered a podcast this month. It's the Masters of Music podcast. The podcast is about our journey to find out the secrets of music from the masters. We have conversations with the greatest masters of music alive, from studio people to producers to up-and-coming artists to rock stars, everything in between. Uh, some of our guests, Tony Franklin from Whitesnake and The Firm, Jeff Young from Megadeth, Merv Douglas from Power Man 5000, uh, Roger Carter from John 5, Lita Ford, Rick Springfield. Uh, we release weekly YouTube and SoundCloud episodes. Uh, we know how hard it is to produce a podcast. We just hope someone might get inspired by our guests. Please check us out, mastersofmusicpodcast.com. And it is Masters of Music Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, SoundCloud, and YouTube. Excellent work making your thing. If you're out there and you've made a thing that you want to share with the community corkboard, events at id10t.com. Also head over to the website id10t.com just for stuff, you know, v- t-shirts, vintage stuff. We're on Instagram too. Oh, I'm so bad at self-promotion. I, it's like I, <laughs> I hear myself doing it and I'm like, ah, <laughs> you, you know it's there. I don't need to. I don't need to bother you about it. <laughs> Let's talk about this episode. This episode's Bill Burr. I mean, like been coming on the podcast since the beginning you know it's funny that we're kind of in this space now where we're like old timey podcast days <laughs> and scene oh did you believe it did i take you there to old timey podcast days um this is a really fun episode because we talk about uh, i ask him a lot of questions about being a dad we talk about fatherhood bill has two kids um you know, someday I might have a kid or two. Who knows? I just want to do a good job. So I got a lot of questions. Uh, Bill has the Monday Morning Podcast, which I'm sure you know. And also he is in The King of Staten Island, uh, which is the Judd Apatow movie starring Pete Davidson. Uh, Bill is in it. And it is now at the release of this podcast, which is August 25th. So just whenever you hear it, uh, you can get King of Staten Island on Blu-ray, DVD, and digital. It's available on all of the platforms. Maybe you like things in the digital space. Maybe you like to hold a disc in your hands and look at it and go, I own a thing. Um, But uh, maybe, again, you like uh, virtual IP and so you just 
You don't want to have to have more things in your life. But if you want a thing, you can have a Blu-ray or DVD of King of Staten Island. If you, if you just like a, um, a representation of a thing, then get it on digital. But it's available now. So watch it. Go watch it. After this podcast, you'll love it. Come on. It's a Judd Apatow movie. It's great. It's going to be great. You're going to love it. It's great cast. You're going to love it. Go watch it right after this podcast. Unless you're driving or operating heavy machinery. But listen to the podcast Stop operating heavy machinery, then watch the movie. All right? This is the ID10T podcast, uh, number 1087, with Bill Burr. Initiating ID10T protocol. It's Wilfred, right? Bill is short for Wilfred. Is that correct? No, no, that's just some silly name. Because I didn't think Instagram was going to be a thing. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking at like, well, everyone was on MySpace. Then they left that, went to Facebook. Then they went to Twitter. Now they're to Instagram. It just seemed like all the cool kids going around the meatpacking district back in the day, all going to the <laughs> new club. But it was all the same people. Yeah, you're right. That there were like there were those first couple of early stops and starts with social media because before MySpace was Friendster, and yes. before Friendster was one called My Tribe. And so I think it was My Tribe or Tribe or something, and then Friendster. And then the big thing with MySpace was, oh my God, performers can put clips on it, and you can have like a top eight friends, so you can. You can really uh, create a hierarchy of who your favorite people are for all the world to see. So that was it. That, that, that might have started the meanness. It would have eventually gotten mean, but I think one of the first signs that it was going to be a mean thing was uh, the top eight. <laughs> top five, whatever it was. Put me in your top five or whatever. The top, top five was a Chris Rock movie. Top eight. Was it top eight? And- it was top eight. Yeah, it was top eight. And then I think they expanded it to like 16 or 24 because they realized that it was creating a lot of friction for people in their personal relationships because it really was a big deal to be included or excluded from someone that you thought was like one of your best friends or your family and you weren't in their top their top friends right what's crazy is myspace still exists it, it does yeah <laughs> it's like one of those towns where there was a nuclear meltdown and everybody left but like main street is still there or like, like, I, or like, I, I still have a page. I can still go back. I don't have my password anymore, but I can still visit my page. I, I think of it like a, I think of it like a, like an old um, mining town where it's like, oh, they got all the, you know, they got they they depleted the copper mines, but there's still a couple <laughs> people who, you know, just keep the buildings there. You can go. I mean, you can't really stay there, but you know, it's you, you can they give look tours. At it. They give tours of the old mine shaft. They should give ghost town tours of old social media sites. And then because things do change so rapidly, it's just, I mean, it'd just be like looking at sort of like when you, you know, you think it's going to be really fun to play old video games because they're so nostalgic and then you start playing them and you're like, 
oh, this was fun for like 10 seconds. <laughs> doesn't have yeah. the same, just doesn't have the same. Unless reward. you're like me, where you actually stopped playing video games for the most part, 20. I mean, I played a couple in the 80s a little bit. Then I didn't play again for like another 10 years. I actually bought a PlayStation 1 and then 2, and it just took over my life. And I just unplugged everything because I knew I'd never be able to figure out again because I'm dumb. And I just <laughs> stuck it in the back of my closet. So yeah, last you're, games you're I played were Siphon Filter and Grand Theft Auto 2 or 3. I can't remember. That was a, yeah, I feel like it was one of the Grand Theft Autos in the early. It might have been the first one. Might have been the first one. Now that I think, I can't remember. It was so long ago. Mine, let's see, it might have been, I want to say maybe Vice City was the one where I played a lot or maybe a Twisted Metal. Vice City. Yeah, that's the one I played. And I had to, and I I did the same thing where I I sold all my stuff. uh, It was around the time I got sober because I was like, shit. I really need to focus on improving my life and I will never do anything as long as this gaming system is in my house. I have since, I've since gone back and I do play games again, but there was a period of a handful of years where I could not do it because I knew I just couldn't handle doing it in a responsible way. Yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, yeah, and they just kept getting better and better. I mean, I'm looking at kids now playing, and they're wearing those glasses, and they're jumping into TVs and stuff, and I'm just like, thank God I quit. I mean, drugs are the same way. I was never a big drugs guy, but, like, I remember seeing crack babies and being like, this is it. This is as bad as it's going to get. And... um then like you started seeing those before and after meth pictures where it was, you couldn't even believe it was the same person. Right. And it was just like, Oh, well, Hey, I got to hand it to this generation. They, uh, cause I remember the, you know, it just always seemed like the, the older generation was always like, can you believe what these kids are doing? And I was trying to think like, after seeing crack fiends, you know, smoking on my stoop, like, it's like, what is going to shock me when I get old? And I was like, I was doing a college gig in the middle of the country, you know, and I, I saw one of those before and the afters, and it's like, I was like, oh, my God. I was like, oh, there it is. They doing did it. College, the youth did it. Even just hearing about doing college gigs just makes me go, is that ever going to be a thing again? Are we going to get to do that? Are we going to get to, you know, like, are we going to, are we going to get to, like, do, like, really tour again? That You know, yeah. indoors? I don't know. Are you doing any outdoor gigs? Uh, I'm exploring a couple of options, but, uh, my agent, myself, the deal breaker is I have to know 100% the crowd is going to be safe. Cause I don't want to in, you know, in the short run, you know, run out and grab a bag of money. But then in the long run, I've screwed me and everybody else that lives in that. I've screwed everybody basically. Absolutely. So no one can get sick. So we're, um, looking at a couple of venues that are that hold a lot of people, but then we put like a comedy club level of people in there, but then you have to rent the venue, but then they're trying to get creative about with their parking lots and stuff. I don't know. All I know is I would love to do a show and make some people laugh. And um, this COVID thing, I, I, I believe in scientists. I believe in doctors. Those are the people I listen to. If you were wearing a white lab coat right now, I would listen to you. Um, (laughs) What I don't listen to is, you know, people like myself who don't have uh, any Any science background. (laughs) Medical background. I'm not going to listen to you. I wouldn't even listen to a dentist. It's like you work on teeth. But I I, I do know. You're a podiatrist. 
What the fuck do you know about viruses? I so agree with you about not wanting to be responsible for getting people to cluster together right now. And, and I actually feel, I actually feel okay. I'm sure there are some, I, I know that there are some comedians who almost in a therapeutic way need to be on stage all the time. And so I, you know, I love performing, but I'm not a, I need to be on stage all the time kind of guy. I'm, I'm totally happy to sit it out. And it's given me an opportunity to like, look at my jokes. What's working? What's funny? You know, can I improve on any of this? Do I have some time to make this? Was better? I ever funny? Did I ever know how to, do, I mean, I'm at this point, like, I don't even know how to. Do. Oh God, I'm, I'm reading these. I said this out loud. This is horribly unfunny. I don't know. I'm kind of just wanting to do it so I don't forget how to do it. Because for the first six weeks, I didn't miss it at all because I was on a 28-year bender right? without taking any sort of significant break. I mean, a couple two-week things here, two-week things there. But um, it was just like having a real job where, you know, a guy with a real job, if you're lucky, you get a week off a year. Right. It's not like you're going to forget, you know, if you fly a plane for a living, you're not going to forget how to do that. So I, I feel like, you know, but, you know, when you start, you start leaving for like six months and stuff, you know, which we're coming up on, it's like, um, start, because I saw guys, you know, because I started in the 90s, I saw guys get sitcoms oh, yeah. where the pilot went, and then they started doing that, and they were just getting crazy money, and it's just like, they had the greatest gig ever, and it's, I don't want to go on the road, I'm get a plane, they just sort of stopped doing stand-up, and I saw when they came back, it, you know, if they took too much time, like five, six years in music and comedy, it changes so much. There's a whole generation of people that got married. They got knocked up. They had kids and they don't have time to even know what's going on, to even know you're coming into town. And then there's this whole nother wave behind them and they're into whatever the hell they're into. Um, I have a theory about that, by the way. I do, because obviously I think that's a thing that every comedian thinks about, like, Oh, if I, you know, if I become too successful or if I don't do stand-up for a while. I just think with comedy, it requires a certain amount of hunger. because there's a, there's a hunger and there's a discomfort. Because when you get up on stage, you need, you know, like you're, you're trying to fill a, you know, you're trying to fill a void or you're a little hungry. You need to, right. you know. And so for people who got sitcoms and started making a shit ton of money, I always kind of thought, you know, they just stand up maybe wasn't necessarily their first love or they would have done it anyway. You know, like it, the comfort level too sort of takes some of the fire. And when you're comfortable, you're just like, yeah, I don't know. Cause it's a lot of energy to get up on stage and to get your energy up and to, and to, you know, start. For me, it was never the show. It was the travel. It was just a lot of, that's what like my whole thing would be getting from my house and just once I sat on the plane, when I could afford to fly first class, it was yeah. fine. Yeah. But everything else leading up to that was getting to the plane, getting on the plane, the whole plane ride. Yeah. Waiting to get off, waiting in the back, you know, your head like that because you're standing up because your legs are killing you and you're waiting for everybody to get out. Um, the the other, you're in another time the zone, engine. your sleep schedule's off. Yeah, like that really warned me a while. But once I, I was making enough money where I could fly first class, and all first class, by the time I was able to get up there, it was like they just gave you a seat for a human being. That's all it was. Like all those like 
hey, there's just never-ending free drinks, and the, the waitresses are ex-playmates, and they invite you to the top of the hotel. And like I, I remember Pan Am used to have this thing. When you flew first class into JFK in New York, you exited down these stairs onto a tarmac into a helicopter that flew <laughs> you to the top of the Pan Am building, which I forget what it's called now. It's the one on, uh, was it Park Avenue or something? It was the Pan Am building, the MetLife building now. You you landed on the, the top of that building. Oh my! So you avoided God. all the traffic. There was a bar up there. Total Ron Burgundy stuff. This is like Mad Men era t- type of. Uh... Absolutely, and you hung out, you had drinks, and you met people, made connections, and then they'd be like, "You ready to go?" And then you grabbed your non wheelie suitcases. It was probably somebody took it down for you. You got in a cab and you went to your <laughs> to your hotel. It's like, wow, man. That was like when you you walked up a staircase, a spiral staircase into first class. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and now the seats are just like, they're just passable. It's like, yeah, oh. They're like, they're like what I'm sitting in now. They're, they're, they're a seat that is made for a human being. And I was in the back when like they were slowly adding more rows so that the back of the seat, like yeah. when somebody would just put their seat down like this, it was like, I mean, you're like a dentist. You could give them a filling. Yeah. You're just sitting there like, oh, my God. They, they, um, they, they started slowly ebbing back all of the comfort in the rest of the plane. And then the big upgrade was like, now you get the comfort that everyone just used to have naturally. Now yeah, economy plus. I did all of that. And then I loved the, the exit row was like the poor man's first class. And then inevitably, <laughs> you'd see some giant guy come walking on and he'd give you a look. He'd be like, all right, man, take this seat. I'm not going to, we're all in this together. I'm not going to do this to yourself. Um, yeah. So that, that part of standup, I, I, I don't miss, but over the years I learned to, to really pack super, super, super light. Yeah. Where I just really, I just started doing track suits and I was just like, I'm wearing this, this whole tour. And in the bag in, is, is, is my show shit. Yep. And just backpack it. And I, I was starting to get to that level because I still had a wheelie thing because I had to bring my computer and all that shit doing the podcast. But a couple of my openers were just backpack guys. Yeah. And like the level of stress that that alleviates where it's just like, there's going to be at least the space underneath my seat. Yep. So you can just get on and watch, you know, that energy. I remember one time um, I got, was getting on the plane and there was this Chinese woman, like uh, not Chinese American, like from China and how how packed it is over there. I guess it's socially comfortable for them to put their hand on your back and slowly push you as, as <laughs> you're getting on. I felt like a lineman and she was like a running back and we were like trying to punch it in. And I remember she did it like three times. I finally turned around and I was just, I just laughed. I was like, sweetheart, your seat's going to be there or whatever. And she got all like that. I felt bad, but it was just, it just struck me as like, I just remember thinking like, oh my God, are we heading to that level of overpopulation? Because I've been over there. I've been to Hong Kong anyways. I've never been to mainland China. And that was like a thing, you know, they push people into, uh, onto, pack them onto the trains and shit or whatever. And it was just sort of, uh, I, I, there, was a, there was definitely a period in my life where I was nervous that like, well, you know, they got to a billion people, eventually will be to a billion people. And what is that going to be like? Well, they you know, be able to survive that. There is a lot of empty space in the United States. There's like, if you ever drive across the country, 
I feel like a considerable portion of the United States is empty land. Like there's plenty of room. I know. And then you, you have all these people living near the oceans telling people who actually have room to stretch out that they're idiots, that, they, that they're, they're just flyover people. And it's like, I, I've been to some of those places, those lakes in the middle of the so-called middle of nowhere. I mean, they're it's gorgeous. It's incredible. Yeah, I know. Dude, the, best, the best kept secret in this country is a lake vacation. Everyone, everyone starts to get a little thorough as you get older. When you're young, you, you need to be in the middle of everything. You got to feel like shit's happening around you. And I feel like as you start to get older, you go, God, a farm sounds nice. Or a fucking just living on a lake and looking at trees. Whittling God, sounds, sounds fun nice. to me. Whittling, smoking a pipe. <laughs> just all of that just sitting a little nice thing of lemonade yeah yeah that's how you know you've crossed the threshold when some young city kid comes in and like how can you live out here there's nothing to do and you're like how can you live where you live you're it's like it's frenetic you know like the idea of just sort of ah got space you know you know i don't feel like but i think again that a lot of that's also just like the ambition of when we're young and we want to make it and we got to be in the center of everything. And then, you know, again, when you start to get older, I just feel like, ah, the energy it requires to have to care that much about all that stuff. I had a thought today how much wasted energy being impatient is. <laughs> I Like if, if being impatient took life off your battery, yeah. I, would have been, I would have been done years ago. So yeah. I was I'm, – I'm trying to uh, – you know, having kids has really helped me with that. And like just being in traffic and I still, my daughter said to me like, dad, dad, why'd you beep at that guy? And I was just like, oh, I was, he just wasn't, you know, I was letting him know he needed to turn a little faster. Like, <laughs> I don't know what that thing is out here in LA where when somebody is in front of you and they turn into the next lane and they, they, they their idea is this. Oh yeah. They're at an so angle. So three quarters of their car is in the lane. Like they're in the lane. Yeah. So that means the whole car is, and then everybody here can't get past this right. here. It is a uniquely California. I don't. I don't know if it's all of California. It's a gigantic state, but it's just like, for the love of God, can you <laughs> get over? And then you beep at them, and they look at you like, like what? It's like you're in both lanes. It's almost like. I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's almost like Los Angeles is a place where people just think about themselves. I, I mean, I know that's a crazy idea, but I feel like maybe it's almost like L.A. I, w- I would definitely argue that. I feel like that's the stereotype. That's like everybody in Boston is angry. It's right. all northern racism. All racism in this country is in the south and it's right. in Boston is like this thing. And it's like, no, it's 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 like everywhere. And there's selfish people. You know, you, I think we've seen some of the selfish behavior during all of this. We're all in here together on both sides. I, I you know, there's definitely, there's going to be some jerks, but I've met some of the coolest people ever I've met have uh, been out here. One of my favorite things to meet out here in L.A. is somebody that's from L.A. and loves it. it I can't. To meet an I, L.A. I native I, is rare. Yes. And they're like a rabid Dodgers fan or they can talk about, you know, they, they love the Clippers or the Kings. They can talk about the old forum. Like, I can sit and talk to those people all day. But the last thing I need to run into is another East Coast guy talking about how there's no change of season and, 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 right, right. and whatever. It's just like, 
No, I agree. I, I understand that. I, I feel your pain, but I can't wallow in that because I'm. I, I, gonna... I, 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 I've defended LA many times. I mean, I make jokes about the the narcissism and being sort of at the center of LA, but it is, you know. But there's like, I don't know, what's the population? Eight million or something? Like, there's a lot of everything, and so when people go, well, "Why do you live in LA? Doesn't it suck?" and I go, "Well, every city has good things and bad things, and you do what you do in any city, which is you kind of find your, you find your friends and you find your, you know, like the things that you like to do and." And it's nice, like you, it kind of anywhere is like that, I guess, you know? Well, I think people, when they come out here to visit, is they they go to Sunset Strip or Hollywood Boulevard, and it's just, that's not a good example of... Uh, <laughs> of Los Angeles, yeah. Yeah, it's like nobody who lives out here goes there. That's no. like, when I lived in New York, I never went to Times Square. Right. I didn't go to the Statue of Liberty, like... You got to get near Times Square when you're going to Carolines. You just got to you just got to graze the edge of it when you're walking into Carolines. Yeah. But otherwise, you know, there's really no not much of a reason to have to go there. But I think it's cuz I find LA really interesting because it's in the sense that when you take off from LAX, it's a beautiful takeoff cuz you're taking off over the ocean and it's blue and you see the coastline, but landing in LA is just like you're landing on this concrete circuit board that goes for <laughs> miles and miles and miles and miles. It's so over, it's so overwhelming to land in Los Angeles because you're like, Jesus Christ, it, there's just no end to it, you know? It's just yeah, so and there, there wasn't really uh, a plan. It was just everybody sort of did their own thing. I will say about L.A., some of the most gorgeous houses, old houses I've ever seen. Like, I love the old Mediterranean style, the arches, the craftsman houses out here, even some of these newer, like really modern looking ones, they're getting a little hacky because they, you know, the open floor plan, like my, me and my wife always watch these. Oh yeah. You know, the million dollar listing. That's, I that's sort of our, floor plan. that's our jam, you know, and it's always a giant white house with these big sliding white doors, you know, downtown to ocean views, yeah. infinity pool. Um, yeah, they always say things like clean lines is another thing. Just really clean lines, really open concept. You know, the kitchen can see through over the living room. And it's like, well, yeah, some floor plans are, are make sense for open concept. But, you know, but that is Indoor, outdoor living. Yes. That's another big They all have that. <laughs> then they all have like, for the backyard, they all have like the concrete slab with the little strip of grass outlying it. That's a yeah. big thing. Like yeah. I've just noticed like, like um, almost like hacky construction where you have hacky comedy. Yes. Like uh, when I first came out to LA about, you know, 10, 15 years ago, these, that the garage door with the frosted windows, mm -hmm. everybody had to have that. And now you look at it and it's like somebody wearing baggy jeans or like, uh, <laughs> you know, it's the baggy jeans version of the, it's, it's like, it's definitely from, it's like, okay, this house was redone in the 2000s yeah yeah it's like it's like it's like the ed hardy hat you know or like the uh yes yeah and oh the von my, dutch von dutch truck von dutch, yeah my my version of that is always it's the phrase granite countertops i don't i'm not a big fan of like that early 2000s granite countertop but right. on so many shows and it's a lot of the ones where it's a lot of the um like the ones that don't have hosts where people are just looking at three houses and then they pick one, they almost always go, Oh, granite countertops. I'm like, those countertops are gross. They're like, 
orange pink gray it's like not like it's it's so early 2000s you know yep. like it's not that that to me is that you watch and it, another you bad one is when they go marble countertops and that's one of those things where you spill tea on it and it just immediately it's porous whatever that means stains. and then you can't get the stain out so it's basically if you never use you never use the kitchen it looks like jesus could give a sermon there yeah but the second you make a piece of toast you're just like ah so i like, like uh i like i like wood in in like uh i like the the tiles and shit like that but i've really gotten into um i just sort of like cuz i'm super frugal so i just sort of i really live vicariously through watching these people um like it's just like where who who has that kind of money like where where do you get that kind of money where it's like there, there's a there's a new one on um on Netflix where it's these two twin guys bald dudes and then they just have like these like models it's hilarious they're wearing like stiletto heels selling like real estate in the hills. Yeah, I'm not sure I know what show that is. It might be Selling Sunset, but there's another one that you might like called Grand Designs. And it's like, there's like 15 seasons of it. It's a British show. And the host is this very like, kind of, uh, you know, he's, uh, he's uh, he must be an architect or he has an architecture, like he has a background in architecture. But what I find really interesting about it, if you like watching people like blow through money, is people will buy these like old British like castles or old British, you know, buildings. Oh, and then boy. I guess it's just because they're used to seeing like I love old, I love old buildings. I love restoring old, old type things. But but I guess in England, they're just so used to it. So they always try to put a modern spin on stuff. So it's like the, the back half of a castle, but with a glass front, you know, like that kind of <laughs> shit. But it's really interesting because if you like watching because you're frugal, You'll watch these British people who are like, well, um, so I actually, I've had to borrow money to get the house to a point where the bank will even consider giving me a mortgage so that I can finish it. So people are just trying to stay ahead of the borrowing curve and oh. not blow through all their money so that they can get it to a point where it's habitable. Don't, so don't even get me started on those piece of shit bankers. It's like everybody lost money in this except for them. They gave you a three month little deferral and then after three months you owed four months on your mortgage and it's just like you guys are clearly running the economy can't you just hit pause like a video game <laughs> and just be like all right time out pandemic <laughs> everybody chill until it's away and then when it's gone and then it goes away and it's like all right and go again yeah it's sort of like it's sort of like when you're when your kids if you're wrestling and all of a sudden it goes from being like fun to stop 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 you know or it's like no 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 yeah i know it's uh it it and but that idea that you know of borrowing against a thing that you haven't completed yet that you then have to borrow more like that shit stresses me out so much because when you start renovating a place you have no idea what's in the walls, especially if it's old. So Dude, you're talking about my house. I lived that. Did you live through it? You lived through oh. it. Galvanized pipe, cloth wiring. I had cloth wiring <laughs> where the guy went into the wall and he goes, Jesus Christ, do you realize every time you were flicking this switch, switch there was a spark? Oh. And we had a, a low-level gas leak. The gas, the electrical, the plumbing, 
the floors, the plaster, the windows. I will never get my money back. Did you, is this the house you're living in now? Yeah, I, I will never. Uh, I'm going to die in this house. That's the only way I will <laughs> not see how much money I lost. Um, how long was the process? Well, I mean, we bought the house like uh, 2011. We bought it a long time. I mean, yeah, Jesus, already in like nine years. But I love the house. And, um, you know, I, I tried to keep the integrity of the old, make it sort of seamless. Yeah. But like we have you know, got like one more bathroom to do. We just, just do just, just everything, everything, like literally from the front door, the front door key, uh, the lock was messed up. It just started there and it went, but, um, I now, I, I absolutely love the place. And, um, I also did everything first class Yep. where I didn't do that stuff where, they replaced the pipes and then they left the old ones in the wall. Right. I don't know why that bugged me. They were just going to just go around it. And I was just like, no, nah, no, nah, take all that. Take all that extra, that nest of wires, do it yourself. Yeah. Shit. Get all of that out there. I just want this thing to be clean. And it's weird. Like contractors respect you when they do that. And then they also think like, all right, guys, we got a live one. <laughs> oh, you're going to need to replace this too. Oh, this wood doesn't look too good. We're going to have to. And you don't know any better. Like you don't know, you know, if they tell you, it's like, it's like if a mechanic tells you, oh, you need to replace this in your car. If you don't know anything about cars, you can't argue. You just got to go, okay, yeah. well, I guess I, I hope, I hope you're right. I hope you're right. You got to bluff once. Oh, I don't know about that. And then just hope. <laughs> <laughs> hope he knocks a few bucks off i might need to get a second opinion well 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 wait but but the, but what, what you're doing is the right thing to do because in the long run the it, the it's a better than average chance that the other stuff is going to start to fail and then you're going to have to rip everything open but that's that's sort of the that's sort of the, the the trap of renovation you know it can start with just like you said with like a keyhole and it's like well fuck if we're replacing oh, dude, this i, guess I, I mean i'm replace. talking rodents in the when the walls like rat shit from year i'm just you you name it yeah you name it it's it's we've we've uh we've had the issue but now i feel like we have it under control but the other day we we're in the laundry room and smelt this smell oh and it was funny i said i called my wife and i go do you smell that she goes yeah yeah and i was looking and then simultaneously we both said at the exact same time the same groan we both went, oh, what now? <laughs> we set it together. <laughs> that, and you know, what's funny, know. I don't think either one of us laughed. It was just like, it was literally, we're just like beaten down. Like, now what is it? Yeah, are they going to have to rip out the hole? Is this going to have to be, are they going to, you know, because again, once they open up those walls, you don't know. And it could, it could be Dude, this This bathroom right here? Yeah. Called a full bathroom? Add a... a shower in there it had a hot water and a cold water uh we moved in here one of my relatives stayed in they said there's something wrong with your uh, hot water in here and i'm like god damn it it's not working or whatever so had a you know have them use our bathroom so i had somebody come over here uh the reason why it wasn't working was because it was never hooked up <laughs> that's a good reason there was no hot water there was no line <laughs> le- they put the handle there it's like that fake drawer in the kitchen. They did it yeah. with the shower. And when I was buying the house, like that's something I learned. And that's on me. Like I should have gone, if you ever buy a house, 
do the cold water and then shut it off. That's so funny. And then do the hot water, shut it off. And and like, I've learned everything. Look up for water stains. Yep. Any shit like that. Someone had to hook, someone had to put that knob in and then just leave and went, nah, it's fine. Did you hook that up? Nah. Nah, fuck them. Yeah, I don't care. (laughs) They, They got a knob. What else do they want? You know, the knob's there. Yeah. Like I said, everything. Yeah. I, you know, I'm so curious to talk to you about kids because my wife and I are about to embark on the let's try to have kids. And uh, do, you, do you have two kids now or do you still have, yeah, have two? I got a girl and a boy. Um, because even just hearing what you were saying before about being in traffic and your daughter said, why are you honking at that guy? Which is basically like having a, you know, like a real existential, like a conscience with you at all times going, Oh, I don't understand. Can you explain this seemingly illogical behavior? How does yeah. that uh, how does that change you, or how does that uh, change your approach? Obviously, you can't you can't and shouldn't just be focused on yourself all the time and your own idiosyncrasies. You have to consider that there's a little life being formed next to you at all yeah. times. So, how did that change, and what was the that, that new responsibility like when it started? Well, the great thing is, is my daughter is not afraid of me at all. <laughs> which I pride myself on because I, I didn't want to do, you know, there's a lot of old school parenting that I believe in, but uh, the scary dad coming home, I don't, I don't, no, yeah, I don't want that. So she keeps me in check where it's just like, I can, I would just be watching a game, be like, ah, how can, I'll just be like this lot. How can you call that? Come on. That wasn't offsides or whatever. And then she'll be in the other room and be like, don't scream like that. <laughs> and then I just go, sorry, buddy. <laughs> It's kind of the point my wife is like, he's not yelling, he's just watching a game. He's just, uh, I don't know. Well, that's what she does. She just goes, don't scream like that. Dada, don't scream like that. And I just go, and every single time, it immediately snaps me out of it. And I go, you're right, buddy, I'm sorry. And then we hug and it ends. So I still yell, I still snap, but it's only for a second. So I've been able to move the ball of my crazy family tree to, to that point, um, to the point I've actually said to my wife, I go, can you start doing that to me? That's really you know, funny. Just do that. And it, cause it's going to make me laugh if you just, cause uh, somebody, uh, a good friend of mine sent me this thing where it, it said way back in the day, like Greek philosophers considered anger, uh, momentary insanity. Mm-hmm. And it just hit me like a clap of thunder because I just really thought of the crazy things I've said, the things that I've broken, the amount of times I've thrown my phone <laughs> and it skips off the couch and then, you know, breaks the plaster. Yeah. And then just instant regret, like, why did I do that? Now I got to tell my wife what happened to the wall. Ah. <laughs> we got a first and 10 and then the ref said, <laughs> it's just, <laughs> it's, and then she'll just sit in, and then, Afterwards, when I'm totally calmed down, as it's coming out of my mouth, it's just like, I just understand the stupidity and the madness of like, so you threw your phone, this thing, you work hard, you spend your money, you love your phone. Because you were mad you at it. And, and you love your house. You're doing that you're watching and that you're not involved in? What? Yeah. And then I got to try to, and then I got to go on YouTube and Google how to, you know, put that stupid crap in there, whatever the heck it used to be. 
Spackle. And then how to sand it off and the, the joint different grades of sandpaper. It's all part of the penance. Yeah. Yeah. That's now really you got to paint the whole wall because you'll see that little thing. <laughs> yeah, that's that that having to go through all of those steps, I think is good because it just reminds you of like, oh yeah, this is why you shouldn't do that. You know, like if you have to actually go through the steps, because I would imagine there's a tremendous amount of shame every step of the way, too. Yeah, daddy's just, daddy broke a thing. Don't, it's not, I can't. Oh, next thing you know, you're in Home Depot trying to find one of the two people on that 40,000 square foot store that can help you find what you need. And the whole time you're just thinking, I didn't need to be here. (laughs) (laughs) I just kept my my own making. Yes. (laughs) Have you ever covered a carpet stain with a rug? Ignored a leaky faucet? Pretended your half-painted living room is supposed to look like that? Well, you're not alone. We've all got unfinished home projects, but there's an easier way. When you download Thumbtack, it's easier to care for your home from top to bottom. Pull out your phone and in just a few taps, you can search, chat, and book highly rated pros right in your neighborhood. Plus, you'll know what to tackle next, because Thumbtack is the app that shows you what to do, who to hire, and when. So say goodbye to all those unfinished home projects, and say hello to caring for your home the easier way. Download Thumbtack and start a project today. This episode is brought to you in part by Audible, your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like The Guest List by Lucy Foley. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com slash WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's nice, though, though, to, to have that kind of relationship with your kids where you... Uh, you know, where you re- res- not only respect them, but also listen to them because it, you know, it, it, the, the one thing that I keep hearing that I, I, I hear everyone that I know who's a really good parent is they say like, yeah, you know, the second your child is born, you immediately understand that everything is not about you and that you, uh, you know, you essentially are like living for this other, this other being, you know, and that, that, and to, to hear that is, especially because as comedians, all day long, we're thinking about ourselves and we're writing about ourselves and we're thinking about our career. You know, it's like being a stand-up is a very entrepreneurial pursuit because you have to do most of the shit. You're responsible for most of it yourself. Right. So it, I, I think it's really good and healthy to be reminded like, yeah, it's not, you're not the center of everything. You just aren't. And that's good. No, no, it's been a, it's been a great thing. And then like, uh, I always feel better, no matter how bad I wanted to do something. If something comes up that the, my one of my kids needs and my wife needs, I always feel better. Like, all right, you know, I'll play drums later, or I'll, I'll you know, I'll tape the game. Maybe I'll watch it later. Like, I there's like a feeling when now inst- instead of doing what I was wanted to do, yeah, doing something for them. There's this great feeling of like, wow, I'm a dad. This this is a very dad moment 
I mean, you know, it's a parent moment. It's not like my wife obviously isn't making a bunch of sacrifices, but I am a comedian. So I'm going to tell this story through my point of view. Of course. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it actually uh, feels good. And, and one of the advantages of being a dad later in life is I get to hear all my friends whose kids are grown going, I wish I spent more time. Uh, <laughs> it's yeah. just like, all right. I, okay. Duly noted. I had a buddy of mine the other day and he was, he's a great dad. He goes, dude, my kids, I don't know. I goes, I went to bed. I woke up and now they're 17 and 15 and I would give anything in the world to relive the years you're, you're living right now. How amazing it is. And it's, and, and he was there, he was there for him. And even being there for him, it goes by so quick. Uh, I was talking to a comic buddy of mine too, where his kids, his daughters are getting to be like college age. And he was just saying like, Goes, it's like this cruel thing, like they leave you. You get like this unbelievable, unconditional love, this over-the-top love that you feel. And then immediately it's like the hourglass is turned over and it's like you get 18 years if they move away to college. And even if they come back during breaks, it's like a different thing. And each time they're more independent, which is what you want. Because you don't want to have some bum living there when <laughs> <laughs> like well, but, but but I'm sure a lot of parents do suffer like a depression when all of a sudden the house is just empty and it's just like oh my god for so like for every single day for almost two decades there was activity in the house and things that you know like there the was chaos the yeah, chaos like a beautiful you get chaos. used to that sound and it's yeah I think it's like a uh you know I always felt like uh you know Parents, when you, you would see them, like, be heartbroken as they were sending their kids off to college, it weirded me out when I was a kid because I wasn't into emotions other than laughing or rage. <laughs> like, crying just weirded me out. But when I, I uh, when now looking back on it, it meant, I, I thought, like, wow, they really did a, I mean, obviously I'm painting with a broad, broad brush here, but they really did a good job. They liked being parents. And I think there's something really cool about your kid's 18 and you're still looking at them like they're your baby. You know, you got to respect that they're an adult. I'm not saying that, that they have their ideas and stuff, but like just the fact that you're still looking at them. You might, you might cry when, when they go off to college. I'm just saying you might be like college. I don't know if I'm going to be able to handle preschool. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's my buddy. I take my, anywhere, anytime I'm going out, that's my buddy. I take her with me. And I'm going to take my son, too, when he gets bigger. And it's just, uh, you know, I got an old truck that shifts on the column. I'm going to teach both of them how to do it. Um, you know, we're playing sports and just reading books. I, I sing the Bare Necessities oh, song classic. from the Jungle Book every night when I put my daughter to bed. And we have to reenact the whole song. And every couple of days, like, like she's the producer of the show, she makes me watch the video. Yep. And she'd be like, he weighs right there, da-da, because I have to be the bear. Yep. And um, so when he says, then don't spend your time looking around for something you want that can't be found. In between, when you're looking around, he looks over to the panther and he waves to him. So I, I have to wave to the, if I don't wave to the panther, the production stops. And then we have to go back to one. She's a director. Your daughter's yes. going to be a director. Yes. And it can, it can be, you know, when I'm off my game, it could be like a 40-minute it's like a bad day on set. Like, oh, God, why did I ever please, want to be an actor? There's so much a bit in here of your daughter just going, cut, dada, please. 
This is why we have rehearsal. What are you doing? You know you're supposed yeah. to cut. We don't have all day. We're losing light over here. Jesus, come on. Bare necessities. Uh, forget about your words. Bare necessities. That, that's, that's old mother nature's recipe. I think it's that he says that's mother nature's recipe. She always goes, old, old mother nature's recipe. Dude, I have to do like the dance where he does the clap, back up, do the whole thing. <laughs> he wanted me where he goes, uh, when you look under the rocks and plants and take a glance at the fancy ants and maybe try a few. Yep. He then licks the ground. She wanted, she's like, Daddy, you're supposed to lick the floor. It's like, I'm not licking the floor. <clears throat> Eventually. So then I had to gonna... pretend with my hand like that. No. So you're she could then do her next ants. line. You eat ants, Baloo? You better believe it. It's. <laughs> yeah. You're going to end up eating ants. She's going to give you a stick with ants on it, and you're going to have it's going to, it's going to be, she's going to strive for the realism. Of, yeah. That's my favorite Disney movie, by the way, The Jungle Book. That is my favorite animated Disney film. It's just such a simple, beautiful story. The artwork is gorgeous. It's all the characterizations. You also, know, the like, voiceover actors back in the day, like I, I kind of liked back in the day that they didn't let famous people do it because all you're going to do is picture them in the booth, which turned out it wasn't the truth. But um, just, just to get a voiceover actor where all they do is voiceovers. Like I yeah. forget the name of the guy that does the voice of like the bear in that movie, but just the sound of his voice is just so amazing. And then his singing voice is incredible as compared to mine. Um, um, yeah. And- Baloo, yeah. Baloo the bear. Um, he was uh, uh, Phil Harris. It was Phil Harris. Phil Harris, yeah. yeah. And then I think Sterling Holloway, who was also the voice of Winnie the Pooh, does Ka the Snake. Like there were these, there were these like utility voice guys who had one real specific voice. Yeah. And you would, and it was it, and you always, I always got excited to hear that guy do those voices. Or like June Foray was a woman who did an amazing like so many uh character voices back in those days and yeah and and you're right it's it 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 wasn't necessarily at the time like oh we're gonna have you know the most famous person do the most famous yeah. character from this thing no they wouldn't let famous people do it because they thought that you would be I, I, that's what was told to me anyway but um no winnie the pooh is another big one that she loves so she's singing these songs i haven't heard in like 40 years the deep in the hundred acre woods where Christopher Robin plays a donkey named Eeyore is his friend. I'm like, oh my God. Now see that I'm I'm actually also really excited about. You know, when I was younger, I I never thought like, oh, I don't know. I mean, kids, maybe. I don't know. If you know, if it if it happens, it happens. And now I've actually now that we've been really talking about it, I've been having dreams lately where I have a kid and it's like the best thing ever, where we're just hanging yeah, out. I say you're ready talking about stuff, watching cartoons. Yeah, oh, come over here, sit over here, let's watch, you know. It's showing them all my favorite, you know, cartoons and watching them discover that stuff. You know, God forbid if we're ever allowed to go to Disneyland again, like taking a kid to Disneyland for the first time is going to be where they're able to really process it. It's going to yeah. be fucking mind-blowing. Yeah, it's going to be a, uh, it'll be a great thing. They have a, uh, they have like all these Disney toys and stuff. And I know they're selling a brand, but who cares? The brand made me happy when I was a kid. So I, you know, she's totally, you know, into Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse. Right now she's into like the Jungle Book and Winnie the Pooh. 
And uh, it just sort of changes. We watched the Scooby-Doo movie. She loved that for a while. And uh, it just keeps, like, changing. Like, she likes The Little Mermaid. There was a great one that Ed Asner, one of my favorite actors of all time, did a voice on uh, in the late 2000s. It's about this, this old guy that had a house in the middle of the city, and they were building up all around him, and he wouldn't sell it. And somehow he attaches balloons to it. That's up. That's Pixar. Oh, I love that movie. I, I have, I have seen up. I've not seen it in a long time because I'm, I'm, I get very emotional at sad things. And the first, and every fucking Pixar movie, I was going, you're not going to fucking get me again, Pixar. The first five (laughs) minutes of up, I was like it. In, I was inconsolable. Oh my God, I forgot that. I was mad at the movie. It, it's I was like, like why, why did they put me through that? <laughs> it, it was it's such like, an adult, an adult. Oh my God. I, I don't want to ruin it for people, but Jesus, the, the two things that they hit upon. Well, listen, if someone hasn't seen Up by this point, that's the spoiler is kind of on them. All right, hit pause, because I'm going to say it in three, two, one. Dude, the fact that she, she couldn't have kids. Oh, and then she dies. And, and, and then so she like, dies. Oh, it kills me. And then, you know, Michael Giacchino, who is just the, a brilliant composer, does, I actually got the sheet music for it because I want to learn it on piano, but this just beautiful, like, waltzy piece that walks you through their lives and they totally suck you in and you don't know you're about to get kicked in the stomach because you're just watching, oh, these two kids discover each other and they're both kind of quirky and then they grow up and they fall in love and they have this life together and then they can't have kids, but they still have this wonderful life together and then and then they're in the hospital and she's dying and you're like, what the fucking fuck? You know, and then you're just like, tears are just streaming down your face. I had to pause the movie. I was like, Lydia, I can't. I need a day. I need a day, and then we can finish watching the movie tomorrow. It fucking wrecked I did me. the opposite. I just started yelling at the TV, just going like, the fuck are we doing here? This is a cartoon. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Am I watching a benefit? Am I at, at like, are, are we eulogizing somebody? It's just like... That's but that's Pixar. That's the Pixar way is that they sneak attack you with, you know, where it's just like fun, 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 fucking, you know, uh, brass knuckle to the heart. And I have to tell you something like they nailed it, too, because when people die, that's the way it is. Yeah. The unfortunate thing that you learn when you get older is that, you know. People just just they're there and then they're not. Yeah. And you and then you got to wrestle with that and just carry that and and figure out what you're going to do with that. All right? And um I think that that's what bothered me because it's like too I real. Be like Pixar, I know that this happens in life. Yeah. But I've been they, through this more times than I want to admit. You know I keep a list. I keep a list of all the people so I don't forget them. That's incredible. And I am I am up to like 40 comedians. Oh, that's heartbreaking. You know, 10, 11, 12. I mean, I lost lost, uh, one of my great friends, uh, found out yesterday. And then I I found out today, another guy, one of my my drinking, brief sort of drinking buddy. He kind of came into our circle and then spun out. Um, He was a little bit younger than us. I just found out today he died. 
and it was just, you know, and, and, and uh, another thing too, that sucks is like so many of the guys, it's like, if they just went to the doctor and got their friggin' heart checked, right? Like guys, like you're not doing the maintenance, you're not watching what you're eating and you're just, you don't want to go to the, you don't want to go to the doctor cause you don't want to get that bad news. But it's just like, is, you know, it's just, it, I don't know. It is. And, and, and the, and the only thing that you can really do is because there isn't anything you can do about it. It's just that unfortunate part of life and our brains actually have a mechanism that protects us from really thinking too much about our own demise because then I think people would just never do anything otherwise. Those guys have all they can do to get their affairs in order. They think they're going to get jinxed like it's a sports, like I got to keep sitting like this and then I'm going to, my team's going to score a touchdown or I'm, I'm not going to live. And it was like, um, you know, one of the admirable things the, the things I admire about women is if there's anything that they feel is wrong, they just go to the doctor. Oh, my wife, is, doctor. my wife is like that. Yeah. My wife is like that. And her doctor, I started seeing her doctor when we got together and I, and I go, wow, he really tests for everything. And she goes, yeah, because you need to know. And she's right. I found out I have high cholesterol. I'm in good shape and I have genetically high cholesterol. I never would have known if it hadn't been for yeah, my Yeah. And wife. then you end up being a ticking time bomb. Cause I, I had never a, known. Uh, I had a buddy of mine, like, in the same shape as me. Same shape as me. He would never would have known it. It just dropped. It's, 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 let's not talk about it. See what Pixar does? Do you no. see what Pixar <laughs> Pixar is a scourge on you. <laughs> I, was, I was singing the Jungle Book. Not like Disney's any better. <laughs> no, and next thing you know, I'm talking about all my friends that have friggin' dropped dead. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. When you choose Organic Valley, not only will you be enjoying great-tasting dairy, you'll help to save over 1,600 small organic family farms who are protecting over 400,000 acres of organic farmland and all the plants and animals that call it home. This is dairy you can feel good about. It's great tasting, high quality organic dairy, ethically sourced from small organic family farms. To find Organic Valley Dairy near you, visit ov.coop. That's ov.coop. Dude, well, I have I do have to say though, uh, spinning off of that, I because I I I I exercise, you know, 3 times a week. Um and something that still rings in my head many times when I get up on the treadmill or I go to start working out was something, was an experience that I had with you, I think in Montreal, at just for laughs, maybe like, I don't know, eight or nine years ago, whenever it was, I was going down to the fitness room and you were leaving and I, you held the door for me and I walked in, you go, as you walk away, you go, hey, it's nice to see someone else who gives a shit, you know, like it, and that really I'm such an it, asshole. 
Why couldn't I just say, oh, good morning, Chris? No, I'll tell you what. Nice I always, to see that you. That made me laugh really hard. And number two, it stuck with me in a way that, that to you, that was just a passing comment. But to me, there was a real acknowledgement of like, hey, you're making an effort on behalf of yourself. And I acknowledge that. I am too. And so there was this little mini bonding moment. And I still remember that phrase when I get up on the treadmill sometimes. I go, hey, it's nice to see someone gives a shit. And it, and it makes me happy because it reminds me, because when you do take positive steps for yourself, whether it's going to the doctor to get checked up, to make sure you're on top of stuff, there is that subtle nod to yourself of like, hey, I'm worth it. I'm taking this time. I'm doing this thing for myself because uh, you know I don't hate myself completely. And I, I obviously... I must care enough about myself that I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And I don't know, it was to you it was, it must've been a very passing comment, but I, I cherish it. I love, I love that comment. Okay. As long as I didn't come off like the idiot I am. No, not at all. Are you, uh, do you have a gym or you work? Do you, do you, are you still, uh, do you run? No, I don't run. I'm too old to run. It just does. It does more damage than it does good. So I got a uh, nutritionist, a good friend of mine, hooked me up with a nutritionist a few years ago and gave me a month-long diet and I saved all the recipes. Yeah. And I, for the most part, 80% eat like that. And then I just do sort of a home workout. I was going to the gym, but like now that gyms aren't really an option, I just been doing this home workout where sort of an upper body, lower body thing. I rehab my shoulder, which is amazing now that I can even do that. I mean, I was literally like just doing wall crawling, just the, I couldn't even support the weight of my arm. Yeah. And it became this. And then it was the pink one pounders. Now I'm on the purple two pounders. I'm about ready to get to bands and be going like this. Yeah. Um, and just building that back up. Uh, so I just want to be lean and mean, like that whole eighties thing I came up with. What are you benching and being all jacked? Those days are behind me. Like I, I'm really, I, I'm a huge, big believer in, in acting your age. And I don't mean getting depressed that you're older, just acknowledging that you're not young anymore. You don't have to impress anybody. Well, let young people do the young stuff. Right. And that's when they do with me, that's amazing. Look at you walking on your hands. <laughs> my, my, my shoulders would di- disintegrate if I tried to put that kind of weight on my shoulder. That's amazing. Hey, be careful. I, I hear that with like musicians where they warn the younger guys when they see them out there like really thrashing their heads and everything, they tell them, they go, be careful doing that night after night because yeah. I did that and I have like a herniated disc and all that. And for the most part, you know, the young kids, you know, they laugh at them, but a few of them take it in. But like, it's like one of the things that I, I try to t- tell, hopefully if I have any younger listeners on my podcast is to um, save up some fun days. <laughs> don't blow through them all <laughs> when you get older don't yeah. use them all up that's so funny because you just made me think that you know when you're young it's almost like nature is giving you a, an inheritance like a time or a youth inheritance and you can blow it all at once and then you're going to be left with nothing or you can like appreciate some of it bank some of it you know like you know, I, 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 because i've been fortunate enough to have the same trainer for like 15 years and I have a little room here in my house with a treadmill and a couple of weights, and we you got that OCDC, OCD, OCD thing. You got to do the other thing. Did I do that? Yeah, you went like this, and then you you went like this, and then you went like this. Oh, I scratched with both. Yeah, I think I think actually it's just because I was itchy. 
Like, or is this I, I, like, did you realize, wait a minute, this is more efficient to use this one? I'll tell you what it was. I think I, I took one pass to scratch this way and I didn't get it. So my second hand was right there to get it. But it is not. Uh, and by the way, I, I do have, have some of those tendencies. If I brushed against the door jam with this shoulder, then I had to turn one. around and do that. <laughs> and then I'd have to, have to get them even. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I totally have that. I just, this time, I don't think that was that. I think that okay. was just, I was just trying to get the scratch. But. One of the things, kind of like building up what you were saying, is uh, I learned a lot of that, like consistently working out of like, you know, the times where I would injure myself in the gym. My trainer is very much a guy who's like, I want you to leave feeling better than when you got here. He's not a guy that says pain is no pain, no gain. Yeah, he's not Come that on, guy. Hard way, push it. He says, listen to your body. If you don't, if your body says don't do something, don't do it. The only times I've ever hurt myself is when I was like, hey, you know what I should do? I should, uh, I should do pull ups with a weight belt and a 25 pound weight. Uh, and then, you know, then I kind of fucked up my wrist. And it's like, oh yeah, I didn't need to do that. And that's where I really learned. You're not, imp- you don't have to impress anyone. It doesn't matter. You just got to get in and move a little bit so that when you're 80, if you're lucky enough to get there, you're not just like, you know, completely hardened and you can't move. You just. Yeah. Stretching, maintain some eating, flexibility. massage. All of that, like I, I, you know, I got like three massages in the first forty-five years of my life, <laughs> and then I, then I paid for it. I ended up having a sciatic nerve issue and everything. Then I found a couple of like Jedi people that helped me out, and like I had a chiropractor, and he was just going like, "I feel like your spine is twisted." <laughs> Where it was like I'd done all this benching and all of this, so this in the front was so much stronger than the back. Right. It pulled my shoulders forward and one was higher than the other. My spine was a little curved and the, the thing was just sitting there and I would always have back pain. And I thought it was because I was picking up things wrong. And it was just, it was the stress of trying to hold stuff back. So then like I haven't done push-ups or benching in forever. And I just do all these back exercises that had to bring my shoulders down and back. This is such old man shit. I love it, man. Kids are listening, dude. I'm telling you, like, but at least the kids today, what I love about what they have is this, all of this information. Like there was no information. It was just a gym, you know, gray sweatshirt, gray sweatpants, tuck your towel in, walk in and just look, (laughs) look and see what other people are doing and then do that and then try to use as much weight as they did or else that means you're a pussy. Like that was our parents' generation somehow and this is a broad sweeping generalization but in general i feel like did not really even understand that they could be inquisitive about so like you said oh i couldn't you know my back was tweaked and i couldn't turn my head i feel like our parents generation a lot of people in that generation would have gone well this is just how it is now and that was it, shake it off that's what they yeah. would say shake it off yeah dude yeah. i remember i would see guys before they'd start their workout they 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 just do this yeah twist that, that was their whole do those couple of these. Ah. Well, I feel like- to touch your toes, come down to your knees, and then that was it. They you were know, ready to go. When I, when I was young, I feel like it was the idea was, and I, I love the old man talk, by the way. I fucking love it. When I was young, I think, you know, like working out or whatever was, you'd push to want to feel something like, oh, yeah, I feel it. I can feel everything's like vibrating. I feel you know, and then when you start to get older, you go, no, I think the, I think the goal is to not feel anything. I think the goal is to do these things so that I don't necessarily feel anything. <laughs> I want to feel the absence of things. That's, that's peace. You know, the absence of all that shit. 
Yeah, less weight, more reps. Yeah, 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 exactly. And you know what? If I didn't do as many today as I did yesterday, it doesn't matter. I still showed up and that's all that matters. I don't have to. I'm not, like, I'm not, I'm not on a pandemic show. to finally learn to be like, my body's not feeling it today. Don't do it today. Maybe not even tomorrow. Just watch what you eat and then come back. And I finally was able, because first this shoulder went, rehab this one, then this one went. And this one was just a motherfucker because I just kept, you know, I do a little bit, then I go on the road, and then I come back, start from square one, you know, mess it up. Like, I, I, it was like so tender. I would be telling a joke, and I'd swing my arm like that, and I'd feel like that lightning. Oh, yeah. And I'd be like, all right, back to square one. <laughs> so it took this one where I was just like, I am just going to go, I'm going to give myself an indefinite amount of time to rehab this thing. So then it just sort of took the pressure off. And if I'm not feeling it, I just ice it, try to rub it down. And I've been able to kind of turn it around. So, but anyways, I think I was supposed to promote something because I think we're, we're coming up to the end here. Yeah, we're, we're going to talk about King of Staten Island. Yes, now that we've talked about Sad Pixar. <laughs> Sad uh, Pixar is a great name for a band. That <laughs> 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 uh, makes me. I know. I, that, yes, we'll definitely talk about that. But I, I love everything you said about being a dad. It makes me excited to be a dad. I love your advice. I love your sensitivity to it. It's really beautiful. And it and it and it was one of the things that I had had really been excited to talk to you about. Now that you've, you know, your daughter must be five by now. I feel like it was four or five years ago. No, no, no. She's only three. Oh, she's only three. Yeah. Um, but even just in that short amount of time you know, like to see the positive effect that it has. I don't know. It just, it makes me, it makes me very happy. It no, no, it's going it's to be, it's, it's literally what it, whatever you, what you put into it's what you're going to get out of it. So, you know, and uh, one of the worst things you can ever do is, is have a kid and uh, just not raise, not, not just. Not be present. Give the kid all your attention. They just, they need it. That's another one, man. Woo. That day when you like, when they, they've stopped being like a little baby and they're starting to become a little person, that day when you realize like, like, you know, there's romance where your girlfriend says, I need you. Right. And then there's a little defenseless toddler and they don't say it, but they're saying it. And you realize like, like I need to be here. Right. This kid needs me. And then you, you don't feel worthy. You're like, oh my God. You're leaning on me like I'm the, <laughs> I'm the answer to the question. I need something. Jesus. Well, I think every parent feels that to a degree. So I think that's just a human thing. You know, you don't there, there can't be anything you could ever compare it to. I don't have kids yet. I can conceptualize what I think it's like, but I won't know until it happens. It's so. awesome. And I, when, when it happens for you, I be real careful about who you open up to, because if you think, you know, Pixar has a little gloom and doom, other parents, Jesus Christ. <laughs> They, they, they. It's, there's so many of them that if their kid's a little bit older, they know exactly what's going to happen with your kid, and it's never anything good. No, How's your yeah, kid? No. Oh, my kid's great, totally well behaved. How old is it? Oh yeah. Wait till next week. Wait till <laughs> next week. It's gonna, it's gonna start playing with matches. It's like why? Because your kid did. Why? Yeah. Why do you have to? Why can't? Why can't everything just be okay? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. People love to give bad. They love to deliver. You know. If they had to go through something, they want to deliver it to you. So. Oh, and the schools and all of that. Have you gone to this yet? 
if you don't do that, you know, they, they make you, you feel like your kid is already going to be homeless. Like yeah. they already missed the boat at right. two years of age because they didn't go to some meet and greet with a bunch of other two-year-olds. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. nuts. Well, well so anyways, I, I, King I of Staten Island. Keep an eye out for that. Yeah, King of Staten Island, um, which is, I think it's coming out August 25th on Blu-ray August 25th, DVD. You can, you can own it digitally or for old heads, you can get it on Blu-ray and actually have a physical copy. You can have Crazy. the gold behind your money. You act crazy to hold something in the in the in the physical universe. That's nuts. I can't even yes. wrap my mind around that. No airdrop with this one, and it's going to have all these uh, extras, all these deleted scenes, and we had so much fun making this movie, and everybody did such a great job on it. I think that's why it was such a great, you know, did so well. So that comes out August twenty fifth. That's fantastic. And I'm so glad that you're acting, you know, like even going back to seeing you on Breaking Bad, where it's like, oh my God, Bill's on one of the greatest shows in the history of television and he's good. Like, you know, it's I like- have very quietly paratrooped in for an episode or two of some of the best shows in the last 20 years. Chappelle's Man, show. I did three or four sketches on Chappelle's show. <clears throat> I did three or four episodes of Breaking Bad. And I got to do an episode of uh, John Favreau's uh, Mandalorian last year. Yeah, man, I'm telling you, that's a great place to be because you have no responsibility. It doesn't, the success of the project doesn't live or die by you. You get to be nope. associated with this amazing thing. And uh, that's great. I love that. A really have- uh, a seasoned vet in acting who had told me one time, he goes, you want to be about seven or eight on the call sheet. That way you're still going to have a good character. You're still going to get lines, but you're not going to work every day. Yep. If the thing tanks and it's not going to be on you, uh, a guy who had been number one on the call sheet for a while made the choice of saying, like, I, I don't want to spend my life on these things. I don't want all of this. It, 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 it takes a special person. Like, someday I'll tell you, dude, watching John Favreau on that show, like, how much he loves it. Like, oh, yeah. he... He, he he would come in every day, the level of excitement, and be like, what do you think of this scene today, huh? We're going to have this whole thing, you know, the, the, the volume, they call it. And what, what do you think about this? He just would come in every single day, and was, which was amazing because the episode I got to do, we were just in this little hallway thing, and they shot it like 50 different ways, but it was like the same hallway. And I forget, it took like two weeks to shoot the thing, it felt like. And um, I, it just, you know, it was becoming like Groundhog Day. But every morning he would come in and be like, uh, okay, now on this scene. And he was just so passionate. Yeah. And then he would show you on, on his iPad some of the other stuff that they were shooting. And it, would, it just would, you know, it just filled you up. And that's why it's not an accident that he makes great stuff. Like he's, you know, like you, yeah. he's obviously incredibly talented, but talent isn't enough. That level of passion and commitment and showing up to your job like it's a thing you get to do rather than a thing you have to do and that's that's what he does yeah and, he loves it he loves and it. if you do another episode by the way or if you get to work with him again you definitely need i to don't think i'm dude my guy was uh my i don't know if you remember my my dude ended up in a uh in a jail on some planet far doesn't far mean, away so doesn't mean you couldn't get out and if you do you definitely need to perform uh, Bare Necessities for him because John directed the live-action Jungle Book. I really think he'd appreciate it. So Was that the one with John Goodman? No, no, no. The live-action Jungle Book, uh, it was uh, 
uh, it just came out a few years ago. Like Bill Murray was in it, and it was. Like, I'm in. I'm in. John Favreau, Bill Murray, Jungle Book. I'm in. Yeah, it's it's like oh, oh my god, your daughter will love it because it's like it's all the CG animals, uh, and it's stunning. It's go- it's beautiful. You will absolutely love Where it. Hell have I been? I, I we do movie nights uh, once a week, make popcorn, and do all of that, and my daughter gets to pick the movie. So. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to tell you, it came out in 2016. All right, I'm all over it. Yeah. Um, I got one for you that a podcast listener told me to do. Um, he said, uh, or he or she said, tread. Like, don't tread on me. Watch yep. that documentary on Netflix, T-R-E-A-D. Okay. What is it? It's about a guy who goes to a small town. Oh, Buys a little piece, and then it just goes from there. Um, my recommendation for you is Grand Designs, but then also Main Cabin Masters. It's a fucking great show. Okay. Main, M-A-I-N-E. It's about a family. I, I just had the guy on the podcast. Uh, it's about a basically a family in Maine, and they redo What's all it these. Maine what? Cabin Masters. There's five seasons of it. There's a season right now. What's the other one? Other show called Grand Designs. That's uh that I, we've been watching that on Netflix or Apple. It's on it's, it's on Apple too. Grand Designs is really like an architecture show, and but Main Cabin Masters is like, you know, they got twenty five grand in eight weeks to take some family's campground in Maine and flip it and make it usable, and they recycle all the material. And it's like a family, so they all give each other shit, and they're fucking hilarious. And it's <laughs> it's just like watching people right. and going, watching them come up with simple solutions to complex problems where you go, oh, yeah, I would never survive if there was an apocalypse because I can't think the way they do. You know, like, it's it's really fun to watch, and they're great. I'll definitely check that out. Yeah. It's good to see you, man. Thank you for great doing to see the podcast. You too. This is like maybe five or six times now. We've been, we're like old-timey podcasters now. You got, you've been doing your podcast for a long time, and I know you got a new one with Bert. And uh, it all started way back in the day at the uh, the improv in Houston was where I met you. Yes, that's right. Yeah. Oh, my God. That's right. Over with hard and firm. Opening yeah, up. Mike, Mike Furman and I were bringing our unique brand of nerd songs to people who weren't. They who loved were- it. I, that that friggin song that you wrote about Pi, the number Pi or oh, whatever. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they loved it. Uh, I'm glad to hear that. Our, our, our recollection of those shows, there's a lot of people who are like, why are you singing about these things? <laughs> but uh, No, they, they needed it. I, I like that you did it. You thought that everyone was going to be smart enough to get what you guys were. You elevated the room before my <laughs> shit jokes. That, that's a very um, kind way to put I it. I unfortunately got another one of these I got to do to keep go, promoting. Go, 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 Bill. It's good to see right you. Take care. All right. Thank you so much, Chris. I hope to see you in person, in real way, soon, yeah. whatever, whatever this is. All okay, right, take care. Thanks, yeah. buddy. ID ten T scanning complete. Enjoy your burrito. Welcome to Pura, the most pristine, safe, climate-stable city on Earth. A haven amidst the wreckage. Here. You're safe from heat domes, superstorms, water bandits in the outer land. There's no crime in Pura, no murder, no suicide. And best of all, there's no cost to join us. In Pura, we promise to keep you safe. They killed her! You took everything! In a world that doesn't feel so safe anymore, we're waiting for you. Here, in Pura. 
The Last City is a new scripted audio drama from Wondery. Enjoy The Last City on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of The Last City right now ad-free on Wondery Plus. Get started with your free trial at wondery.com slash plus.